Hello there. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our lead minister and preacher, Kevin Barton. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! So we're starting this new series today, and I want to let you know this is actually one sermon that I'm breaking into five parts. So today we're going to look at the introduction of the sermon, and then the next three weeks we'll look at three teaching points from the sermon, and then on Sunday, July 5th, we will conclude the sermon. I want to remind you just quickly in passing, we'll speak more about this later, that that Sunday, July 5th, will be an online service only. There'll be details forthcoming, but I don't want to overload you with uh, information today. And so the name of the series is Sibling Rivalry. This is the jealousy, the competition, and the fighting that occurs between brothers and sisters. It is a concern for almost all parents who have two or more children. It can be the most frustrating and the most stressful part at times to being a parent when your kids cannot get along. It can be absolutely miserable. Now, you know if you've raised some kids that it starts off kind of cute, right? When they're little, it's a little bit cute. It doesn't bother us that much. And so uh, there's a picture that's going to come on the screen. Uh, We used to do a children's little Christmas uh, program here, and, and it wasn't a big gathering. It was mostly parents, grandparents. Uh, but one night uh, we were doing this, and, and those are my three boys up front. They're the wise men. They were just little guys, and they were basically standing right here. I was sitting, incidentally, where they're sitting right now. Uh, the tables have turned. And as the, the little play progressed, I could see them whispering insults to each other. I could see them starting to pull each other's clothes. A little bit of pushing started to happen. So I got up with my phone like I was taking a picture, you know, and I came up to the stage. But I wasn't taking a picture. I was holding my phone, and I was giving the dad look like, you better. If you, right, you've, you've been there, right? Can't you just get along for like 30 seconds? And so it was cute, somewhat cute then. But as they get older, I'm finding it gets worse. And it is far from cute. I used to think as a parent, man, if we can get these kids through that that age where they're always tired, they're always mean, and they're always hungry, and they're always sleepy, that terrible two to four, um, when that period is gone in our house, that our kids should probably get along pretty well because no one's screaming, mine, mine, mine. Boy, was I wrong. The older they get, the worse it gets. I have to be careful because my boys are sitting here, but especially with my three sons. Everything's a competition. Who can eat more? Who can run faster? Who can score higher? And, And as parents, I'm sure you've watched your kids, if you've had multiple kids, go through this. According to a study by the University of Michigan, Each child in a multi-child family is competing to define who they are as a person, as an individual. And as they discover who they are, they try to find their own talents, their own activities, their own interests. And they want to show that they are separate from their siblings. 
You know what I found with 25 plus years of ministry is that sibling rivalry often carries itself into adulthood. I mean, there are brothers and sisters who are adults who may have had a falling out 5, 10, 20, 30, 50 years ago, and they still don't speak to one another. I see sibling rivalry often when both parents die and the kids are trying to divide up the estate. I mean, I've seen the worst of humanity come out between brothers and sisters in situations like that. It's so common, and it's so unfortunate. Jealousy and competition amongst brothers and sisters is as old as humanity is itself. And we read the first account of this in the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. The very first set of siblings... They were two brothers named Cain and Abel. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 4. If you want to follow along, we're going to pick up in verse 1. Genesis 4, 1 through 2, it says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife. That means they went to bed that night and she woke up the next day pregnant. She conceived and bore Cain. That's the firstborn son saying, I have gotten a man from the help of the Lord. Again, she bore his brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of the sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. Okay, so put, your, put yourself in Eve's shoes. These two brothers are born. First is Cain. He's the older brother. He's got the birthright. He's the oldest child. He's the responsible one. But when Eve has him, She says something strange. She says, I've gotten a man from the Lord. In other words, put yourself in Eve's shoes, ladies. She has no idea what childbirth looks like. There's never been a child born before. Okay, and so she's saying, I'm a female, and all of a sudden, I have given offspring to a a little man, and I'm going to call him Cain. It had to be both beautiful and terrifying for her. She names him Cain. The name Cain means acquire or possession. To acquire something or to possess something. Well, Scripture doesn't tell us. It just says again or sometime later she gives birth to a second son. It could have been nine years later. They could have been twins. It could have been nine minutes later. We just know he's the second born son. And she names this son Abel. Abel in the Hebrew means Breath, vapor, verse 3 and 4. Now in the course of time, as they grew up, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. So remember, Cain is a farmer. He grew fruits and vegetables. His name means possession or acquire. I think someone just got bingo over here. Possession or acquire. So he had to possess the land. He had to cultivate the land to acquire the fruit that God would bless the land with. Abel doesn't grow fruit. He raises livestock. 
Now, we haven't even got to the part of the story when we find out that Cain's the bad brother and Abel's the good brother, but I already like Abel more because Cain is growing food for vegans and Abel's growing meat. And so I already like Abel more. He raised livestock. Now, remember, the name Abel means breath. And so he was raising these living, breathing, inhaling, exhaling animals. They're bringing sacrifices to honor God. Verses 5 through 7. But for Cain, his offering had no regard. God did not accept his offering. So Cain was very angry. His face fell. You could read it on his face. And the Lord said to him, why are you so angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you. But you must overrule it. Okay, so what you have are these two brothers bringing offerings to the Lord. God accepts Abel's offering, but he doesn't accept Cain's offering. And we're going to talk about that next week in the sermon. But what we're going to see is that Cain's response is not to get upset with God, but he gets upset with his younger brother Abel. He turns his jealousy on his brother. I I feel like I can get inside the head of Cain. He was probably thinking things like this. Oh, here we go again. Mom and dad always loved Abel more. Abel, he was always the golden child. He's always been the favorite. No matter what I do, my whole life, he's made me look bad in front of Adam and Eve, my parents, and now he's making me look bad in front of God. See, there's a definite sibling rivalry going on here between these two brothers. Good job, girls. Verse 8. We needed something uplifting before we got to verse 8. Cain spoke to his brother, and when they were in the field... Cain rose up against his brother Abel, and he killed him. Some say he killed him with a rock. Some say he killed him with a spear. Here's all we know. In cold blood, he murders his own brother. This is the first family on earth. Verses 9 and 10. The Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? He's a grown man. Am I responsible for him? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. The ground is crying out for your brother's blood. This is a profound statement. This is actually a foreshadow of the blood of Jesus being spilled for his depraved brothers and sisters. It's a picture of the gospel in Genesis chapter 4, thousands and thousands and thousands of years before Jesus was born. I mean, think about this. Both Jesus and Abel suffered for righteousness' sake. Both were innocent and killed by their brothers. Both offered offerings which God accepted and respected. Both were envied for their righteousness. And both of these men's blood still speaks today. Hebrews 12, 24 gives us a quick picture of this. 
and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So we keep reading in our text, verse 11 in Genesis chapter 4. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your, bro your brother's blood from your hand. And when you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. Here's what he's saying. You, you've just spilled your brother's blood all over this soil. And you make your living farming. You're going to try to plant things, and because of what you've done to your brother, the ground's not going to cooperate. You're not going to be able to grow anything. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Okay, so this is a rivalry so bad that one brother kills his other brother. And so on one hand, this passage is about the human relationship of two brothers. But a relationship of jealousy, betrayal, rage, and murder. But on the other hand, and stay with me for just a minute, on a much deeper spiritual plane, this passage, as we will see in the subsequent weeks, is also speaking to you and to me about three very significant relationships that we have. Maybe three of the most important relationships we have in our lives. Next week we'll start, we'll talk about our relationship to worship. They both brought items of worship, but God only accepted one. What does it look like to be a true worshiper? What does it look like to have that true relationship? The, the next week we'll talk about how this passage speaks to us about our relationship to anger. How do we handle anger? How do we handle it when people get angry at us? I mean, you, I don't have to tell you, you can turn on the television and there are a lot of angry people in the world right now. So how do we navigate through that? And then June 28th, we'll look at our relationship to sin. God tells Cain, sin is crouching at your door. All of us have this lifelong relationship with sin. But I'm running out of time, so I've got to close this thing up today. I, I, I'm going to ask the kids in here. So adults, I, I know you know the answer. You always do. Um, but anyone fifth grade and under, what does the name Abel mean? Okay, adults, what does the name Abel mean? Breath. Breath. Think about this for a minute. Think about one single breath. Inhale. Exhale. A breath is very short-lived, is it not? A single breath doesn't last a very long period of time. Our breath, our life, like Abel's, can be taken away in an instant. Life is so short. Life is so uncertain. We can be here today and gone tomorrow. That's why Scripture tells us, and we read this often in this church, Psalm 144.4, man is like a breath. He's like Abel. His days are going to be cut short. He's not going to be here long. His days are like a passing shadow. And so you know, you could be minding your own business. 
You can be in this covenant relationship with God. You can be faithful to God like Abel was. But at the end of the day, you and I, like him, we are a breath. We do not get a lot of time here on this earth. Life is short. And so the time is always now to live that life to the fullest, to make the most of every opportunity. Every day we have breath. We have a chance to show the love of Christ to our brothers and sisters. Not, the, not Cain, but the entire human race. And we definitely need that in our country today. In our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our churches, and more importantly, in our homes. Life is short. Breathe deep the breath of God. You know, there's this famous chapter in the book of Hebrews. It's Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the Hall of Faith. So if you're a big football fan... You would go to Canton, Ohio, and you could go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And what you're doing is you're seeing all of these football players and these coaches over the years who have made the Hall of Fame. This is the best of the best, the greatest of the great. Well, Hebrews 11 is that, but it's the Hall of Fame chapter for all the men and women in the Old Testament that, do, that display this marvelous faith. Do you know who the first person mentioned in God's hall of faith is from the Old Testament? Abel. Not Adam. Not Eve. Not Cain. Abel. He sought God. He breathed deep the breath of God. He wanted God in his life more than anything. There was a young man who asked a wise older man, he said, hey, I, 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 can't, I feel like I can't find God. I'm just looking for God. I'm questing for God. Can you help me find God? And the old man said, yeah, follow me. So the old man took him to the river. And the younger man thought, oh, we're going to stand by the river. and He's going to give me some profound teaching like maybe Jesus did when he stood by the water. But the old man walked into the middle of the river and had the young man follow him. And before the young man knew what was happening, the old man grabbed his arm, put his hand on his head, and he thrust him under the water. And he just held him there, forced him under the water. And the young man tried to fight against the old man's firm grip, but he couldn't get up. And right before everything went black, the hand released him and he blasted out of the water. He gasped for air and he shouted, are you trying to kill me? And the old wise man said, when you want God as much as you wanted that breath of air, you'll find him. Friends, that was Abel. Breath. We're going to talk about that next week as we look at our relationship to worship. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.